You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So today I'm going to be concluding the series that we started three weeks ago, which I titled uh, Relationship Status. And we've been talking about relationships. First part, we talked about marriage, and we looked at it from a perspective that on social media, mainly Facebook, that everyone has a status on Facebook. And I talked about the important thing that... um, over a billion people, or at least a billion people, will be on Facebook today. That's staggering. And so we want to look at, okay, so that's what Facebook says. Your status is married. Uh, what does God say about that? What's his status? And then we looked at singleness last week. And thank you for all of the, 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 just the encouragement of people that have been blessed by that message last week if you weren't here. I would suggest that you listen to it on, uh, on the podcast and let God kind of minister to you if you're single. And so today we're going to be talking about the status of it's complicated. How many of you know that sometimes on our Facebook page we see people that may have the it's complicated status? And that is because their relationships might not be going the way that they want them to go or things are just not good in their relationships. And I want us to, to look at that today with the perspective of what does God say? How do we uncomplicate our relationship? How do we uncomplicate our relationships? It's only through God. God gives us a very clear directive on how we should have relationships and how we should really relate to others. And so if we do it God's way, good things happen. Amen? When we try to do it our ways, it's not, it's not real, real, doesn't go real well. And usually things get pretty complicated. So as we go there, I have three, I put together three surefire ways to uncomplicate your relationship. And before we go into that, I want to pray, okay? Thank you, Lord. Father, I I, want to pray a blessing over uh, the message today. First of all, thank you for every person here. I pray, Lord God, that as I... um, as I prepared, I, I thank you for you directing me and, and everything that I put together. Uh, I, I also pray, Lord, that as I, as I speak today, that I will speak in a way that's very clear and understandable. And every person that's here, I pray a blessing upon their hearing and their hearts. Lord God, let, let our hearts be open to your word. Uh, in reality, Father, it's your word that changes our lives. It's not my philosophy. It's not the way that the world teaches us. It's only through your word. So I pray that today that there will be drastic transformations in the hearts of all of us and that we'll see relationships from your perspective. And if they're complicated, I pray that today they will begin to be uncomplicated because of your power and your direction. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. So as we... Um, as we look at, uh, um, at, at the three ways, I want to talk about the first way. The first way that we uncomplicate relationships is we do it God's way. We have a relationship the way God ordained for relationships to go. 
And I want to start out, I want to start out with a, a, a scripture passage that is in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning when God ordained how relationships should operate. And then it's confirmed in the Gospels as Jesus talks to the religious leaders who are trying to trick him. And they're trying to trick him, saying, Moses gave us a certificate of divorce. Uh, is it okay for us to get divorced? And, and, and Jesus said something to them which helps us. He said, it's not, Moses gave you a certificate of divorce or he allowed for you to do this, not because it's from God, but because, because of your hearts. And so, so in that, he said, it's God's, it's God's heart for, for marriage to be monogamous, for it to be between one man and one woman, and for it to be lifelong so that you can build a family. And society, society is a better place when we've got families that are healthy. Amen? Now, now let's, let's take a step back because you're here today and, 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 and say maybe you've come out of a relationship that's been bad, maybe a marriage that's been bad. You need to know from the, from the front side, this is not a condemnation message. This is a message of restoration. See, the God that we serve is not a condemning God. He's a restoring God. God is not a, a God of, of judgment per se, He's a, he's a God of forgiveness. Judgment went on Jesus on the cross. He took our judgment so that we could be saved through him and we could be forgiven. So, so don't shut down right now as we, as we begin to talk about the importance of, of relationships, especially when it centers around marriage. So, so we talked about Genesis. It says, uh, 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 and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it out. For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife and the two will become one. Okay, a man, male, will leave his father, male, mother, female relationship and will cleave to his wife, female, and the, and the, the two will cleave. They'll become one flesh. Instead of being two independent souls, they become one in marriage, and, and, and God does something wonderful in the marriage, in the marriage uh, relationship. So it says that in Genesis, and then Jesus says, when they ask him, oh, you know, can we have divorce? He says, from the beginning, God said, for this reason, for this cause, a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife and the two will become one. So Jesus confirms that. Then Paul comes around, Ephesians 5, verse 31. And Paul is talking about marriage. And he says, submit yourself one to another. Husbands, love your wife. Just like Christ loved the church. Wives, respect your husbands because what they need is husbands. And then he says, just like Christ, uh, just like the church submits herself to, to Christ. And just like Christ loved the church. And he parallels this beauty of the church and Christ being a bride. The church and Christ being a groom. And then it parallels it with a husband and a wife. And how there's healthy submission, healthy respect, and a lot of love that leads us. And he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and will cleave to his wife, will be united to his wife, and the two will become one. This is the lens of all relationships. This is the lens of all relationships. When we look at it through this blueprint, through God's perspective, it helps us. So I've been divorced, and I'm broken from that divorce. That divorce complicated a relationship. 
I'm in a relationship right now where it's up and down. There's, there's just no trust. There's all kinds of things going on. It's broken. It's complicated. I've been, I've been abused. I've been hit. I was violated as a child. All kinds of things have happened. My relationships are complicated because of that. And you're looking at your relationships through, through that lens. But that's a distorted lens. Now, I want you to shift and look at your relationships for, through this lens for this reason. A man will leave his father and mother and the trust that we had in our parents. And maybe the par- your parents broke trust because sometimes bad things happen with our parents. I leave my, my father, father and mother and I join, get joined to my wife. And we become one and we begin to build a relationship trusting God. That's the lens that I want us to look at today. Because until, until we do, until we do, our relationships will be complicated. Until we do, our relationships will be complicated. So God sent Moses he sent Moses to Egypt, where the people of Israel were in captivity. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. And God sent Moses over there to set them free and to lead them to a place where they would be God's people, where they would worship God. They would worship God openly and freely. And so Moses goes down to Egypt, and he, and, he, and he does miracle after miracle after miracle. And after the last miracle, they're freed. The children of Israel come out of Egypt and out of all this slavery, and they begin to go to a place called Canaan where they're going to worship God, a promised land where they can worship freely, and they're in relationship with the Almighty. They're in a love relationship. Now, just think about this. When God, when God sent Moses into Egypt... And Moses got there. It was all about grace. He never told them, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do that. He said, I'm here because I love you. I want to take you out of bondage. And then he's he's progressing them and taking them out of slavery. He's getting close to Canaan. And God says, now speak to them and give them these words. And these words, beloved will help us to uncomplicate our relationships. Because let me tell you, when we're led by the flesh and we're led by the world, and all of us have been there in our Egypt. We all have been in our Egypt. Before we came to Christ, we were in slavery to something. Amen? All of us were bound to something. All of us, And then God took us out of that place. And then he says, I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to clear you up. I'm going to clear your mind. There's someone in here that your mind is so distorted. Your mind is so full of stuff that God wants to take all of that yucky stuff and clear your mind and put things of peace and holiness into your mind and into your heart. And that's the God that we serve. And so we get to this place, and, 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 and Moses begins to talk to the people of, of, of Israel, and he says this. He says, do not act like the people in Egypt where you used to live, 
Or like the people in Canaan where I am taking you. He says, God speaking to him. Do not act like when you were in slavery and, and you were under the Egyptians' rule. Don't act like those people. And where I'm taking you, the, pe- the people of Canaan, he says, don't act like them. You must not imitate their way of life. You must obey all my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees. For I am the Lord, your God. Someone press the important button right now. Press the important button. Press it. Important. For I am the Lord, your God. That's a covenant name. That's a, that's a name of God with his people. That's a name of, of, of God loving his people, saying, I'm in relationship with you. These rules were not rules of saying, you need to do this or else I'm going to smite you. These rules were rules to say, I'm going to keep you safe from complicating your life. Tell someone next to you, God doesn't want you to have a complicated life. God doesn't want you to have a complicated life. Okay? He says this, if you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. If we follow the path of God, if we follow the blueprint of God, we will find life. When we follow our own way, when we do our own thing, when we follow the ways of the world, when we follow the ways that we lived in Egypt before God found us, if we follow those ways, we will find death. We'll find broken relationships. We'll find brokenness in our own life. You'll try to do things. You will try to fill the void with everything except God, and you will find utterly loneliness and despair. He said, don't go there. Don't go there. And when you go to Canaan, where you go to where I'm taking you, you need to beware because there will be things, there will be temptations. How many of you know that anyone in here tempted this week? Was anyone tempted to do the wrong thing this week? And if you're not raising your hand, you're a liar, liar, pants on fire. Because if you're breathing right now, you have been tempted. You have been tempted. And he says, you'll find life through them. He says, I am the Lord. In other words, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a person. I'm God. And then he goes on and says, you must never... You must never have sexual relations with a close relative, for I am the Lord. Why don't we have relationships with a close relative? Because it will complicate your life. It will complicate your life. Do not violate your father by having sexual relationships with your mother. She is your mother. You must not have sexual relations with her. Why don't you do that? Because she's not your sexual, she's not your wife, she's your mom, right? But, but this is exactly what was going on where they came from, okay? And so he, he keeps on going. He says, do, do not, he says, um, do not have sexual relations with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. Now, grab a hold of this. Mo- Moses is speaking these things because this is where they're at. They're having a, pl- a, a plurality of, of marriages. They're having more than one complicated. God never intended that. God always intended for this cause. A man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wives. no wife will cleave to his wife look through that lens do not have sexual relations with your sister or your half sister whether she is your father's daughter your mother's daughter whether she was born into your household or someone else's do not have sexual relations with your granddaughter 
whether she is your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, for this would violate yourself. Not only do they say this will violate you, I mean her, it will violate yourself. Do not have sexual relations with your stepsister, the daughter of any of your father's wives, for she is your sister. Now look through the lens, look through the, 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 the lens for this cause. A man will leave his father and mother cleave to his wife. Look through that lens. So wives is a distortion of what even God ordained. Do not have sexual relations with your father's sister, for she is your father's close relative. Do not have sexual relations with your mother's sister, for she is your mother's close relative. Do not violate your uncle, your father's brother, by having sexual relations with his wife, for she is your aunt. Do not have sexual relations with your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife, so you must not have sexual relations with her. How many of you know that that would complicate your life? Do not, do not have sexual relations with your brother's wife, for this would violate your brother. Do not have sexual relations with both a, a woman and her daughter, and do not take her granddaughter, whether your son's daughter or her daughter's daughter, and have sexual relations with her. They are close relatives, and this would be a wicked act. While your wife is li living, do not marry her sister and have sexual relations with her, for they would be rivals. Do not have sexual relations with a woman during her period of menstrual impurity. Do not defile yourself by having sexual intercourse with your neighbor's wife. And do not permit any of your children to be offered as a sacrifice to Moloch, for you must not bring shame on the name of your God. He says, because I am the Lord. And Moloch was an Ammonite god, and his, his title was the king of shame. And so what the Ammonites would do in their worship is they would bring children to the, to the temple, and they would allow them to have sex with the temple. Children. So, so this is what was going on to where they were going and where they came. He says, do not practice homosexuality, having sex with another man as with a woman because it's detestable sin. And the reason that God says that, and I'm just going to be very clear, I know it's not popular and, and, and because your anatomy tells you that there's a way that, that a man and a woman become one, and it's beautiful, and it's celebrated in marriage, and when it does, it brings beautiful children and beautiful grandchildren, and anything outside of that is not natural. That's what God is telling them. He said, a man must not defile himself by having sex with an animal, and a woman must not offer herself to a male animal to have intercourse with it. This is a perverse act. And then he goes on, he says, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, for the people I am driving out before you have defiled themselves in all these ways. He's saying, I brought you from a land of, of bondage. I'm taking you to a land of promise. You came from a land where there was a distorted view of relations. Don't act like that. But I'm taking you into a land that have a distorted view of relationships. Don't, don't buy into that. Don't submit yourself to that. He says, I am driving out before you and because they have defiled themselves in all these ways. Because the entire land has become defiled, I am punishing the people who live there, and I will cause the land to vomit them out. Now, let's hear, let's look at the heart of God. The heart of God is not a punishing in that he wants to, wants to destroy people. It's what's happening in their life that is destroying them. When we have relationships that are complicated, it's destroying us, and it destroys everything around us. God says, I want to change that. 
You see, it's important to know that the Egyptians and the Canaanites had a very distorted view of relationships. But can I tell you something, beloved? We live in a society that is being engulfed with a very distorted view of relationships. And a lot of us, a lot of us have came out of lives that were very distorted in the ways of the, how God ordains relationships, but we're not those people anymore. Okay, we're not those people anymore. Derek T uh, Tidball, who's a wonderful uh, uh, theologian in his commentary, he says this about this uh, chapter. He says, Egypt was recognized for its licentiousness, and it was well known that incest was practiced by the Egyptian royal family where brothers regularly married their sisters. So the, the, the Egyptian hierarchy married, inter, intermarried with their, with their family, and so that filtered down into the society. And let me say this. We need to grab a hold of this. Our society will, 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 will build a culture, either a culture of holiness or a culture of defileness. Amen. Our cities, our towns, they will either, they will either grasp a culture of, of, of holiness where we're going to honor God or we're going we're gonna to grab a hold of a culture of, of, of a life where we defile the things of God. Exactly what he's saying. Canaan, Canaan, he says, was famed for encouragement of homosexuality and bestiality and the practices condemned in this chapter were enshrined in the fertility rites in which temple prostitutes, both male and female, incited their deities to grant fertility to the land by performing sexual acts in their presence. And so these, the, 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 in, the Canaan, in the Canaan temples, there would have male and female prostitutes that would be having sex so that the land would produce harvest and things like that. But those, those acts of worship were not going to the right God. And anyone, anyone of us can fall prey to a distorted view of relationships. I, I want for us to grab a hold of that. That none of us, none of us are beyond falling prey into a distorted relationship. It's a known fact. Statistics tell us that one out of four men are addicted or lean toward pornography. One out of four. It's so simple. I, I talk to young men all the time. I, I talk to men all the time who are telling me, man, it's a struggle. I'm struggling. And so what happens is you open up that door. We can open up that door. They might start out with soft porn and it becomes a little bit harder and harder. And before you know it, you go down a place that you never thought you would go. We all can fall victim to this. But we have a God who tells us, do it my way. Have relationships my way. Because if we do not have relationships God's way, it will always be complicated and we'll go from one relationship to another, from one to another, and complicate every single one just the way we did the last one, until we do it God's way. For this cause, a man will leave his father and his mother and will cleave to his wife, and the two will become one.
So your temptation right now is you don't need to stay with your husband. Your temptation right now is you don't need to stay with your wife. We're all tempted there. When my wife tells me something that I don't want to hear, all these thoughts come. I don't have to put up with this. I don't need this from her. I'll make numbers up. There's about 15 women that might be happy with me. I'll, I'll start making numbers up. I'll make, maybe 25. Who knows? The temptation for every single person, if you're a woman in here, your husband is not treating you the way you need to be treated, which men, you better be treating your wife right. And that's speaking to myself. Love your wife. But if you're not, the temptation for the wife is, you know what? I don't need this. I want a guy with abs, with a six-pack, Right? You know, I want a little bit of muscle. I want, you know, I want, I want, I want something else. This, this guy sits on the couch and he's got abs. If you want to call him that? They're in there somewhere. <laughs> under that, under that keg. <laughs> but the biggest temptation that we have, the biggest temptation we have, and so then, then these thoughts come, and we all have them. We all have them. We all have them. We all have those temptations. And sexual, sexual things begin to start popping up. And, and all of these things start to flood our lives. And we need to stand in who we are. God took us out of Egypt. He took us out of slavery. And we don't have to fall prey in Canaan anymore. Amen? Here, here's the thing. Healthy boundaries in our sexuality will prevent us from leaving a path of devastation in our own lives and in the lives of others. Sex is wonderful. I got to say that. God made sex. He made sexual intimacy. He made our anatomy. Every part, every part is very fearfully, wonderfully made by God. But intimacy was made for a healthy marriage to be operated and celebrated for the glory of God. And any time we don't do this, and this is hard. Man, I'll, before this service, I was thinking, Lord, give me the strength to say these things. Any time that we don't do that, we complicate our relationships because we're not doing things God's way. And when we don't do, thing God, do things God's way, we're not doing the second most important thing. We need to strive to honor God. You see, honoring God in our relationships is not religion. It's a relationship. We don't honor God in our, relation, in our relationship because we have to do it. We honor God because he's worthy for us to honor him. Because we have this love-love relationship. Because God, as he found the, the Israelites in, 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 Cana, in, in Egypt, before he ever told them, behave this way, he said, I love you so much, I'm taking you out of bondage. And he did the same thing with all of us. Before we ever did, before he ever said, do this, do that, do this, do this, that's religion. Do this, you need to follow, you need to dress a certain way, you need to act a certain way, and then God will love you. That's a lie. God loved you before you ever did anything right. And he knows 
that we all fall short of his glory. We all fall short of his perfection. And so he begins to direct our lives in a progressive way. And he takes us out of our funk and puts us on a road of restoration and grace. And if you always, always, always will live your life through the lens that God loves you, you will be able to love other people the way they need to be loved because you'll honor them. So there was a guy in the Bible, his name was Samuel. His mom's name was Hannah, and Hannah, when she had Samuel, she dedicated him to the work of God. Very early on in his life, he began to serve God, and he honored God in everything that he did. And he served under a priest by, his, by the name of Eli. And Eli had two sons. And his two sons did the opposite of what Samuel did. Samuel honored God. He lived his life to please God. Eli's sons lived their life to please themselves. And they would go and get, they would get the meat that was sacrificed to, to God, and they would take the best portions, and they would eat it themselves. And then they would do things that would violate the trust of God. In fact, the Bible says this in, in 1 Samuel 2, 22. It says, Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted in the entrance, at the entrance of the tabernacle. And so he was breaking this relationship that, that, that these young ladies were having with God and honoring God. They were breaking that by seducing them. And, and instead of honoring God, they dishonored God. And let me tell you something for all of us to grab a hold of. This is a temptation for everyone in here. It's for us to dishonor God. Because when we honor God, let me tell you, you will find the favor of God on your life. And so the enemy of our souls, our flesh, and the world will tempt you over and over and over again and tell you, do it your way. It doesn't matter to God. But God said this. He said, those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me, they will be disdained. And as we honor God, beloved, as we honor God, can I tell you something? We won't do it perfectly, but we will do it progressively. Notice, God took the children of Israel out of Egypt and he progressively moved them into a place of promise. And it's the same with us. God took us out of the world he called us by his beloved son. He washed us of our sins. He cleansed us. We were forgiven from our past. We're forgiven for our present. And we're forgiven for our future. But he calls us to begin to uncomplicate our relationships and to honor him. Because when we honor God, he will honor us. Someone in here? That the enemy's been playing havoc with your life. You're like a teeter-totter going back and forth, back and forth. God is going to break that today. God is going to set you free today. Why? 
because he's just that powerful. He's just that powerful. I, I read this on Pinterest. I thought it was pretty cool. It says, a godly relationship should build the one you have with Jesus. We should be building people up with Christ, not replace it. Any relationship absent of Christ is a complicated relationship because he's the glue that keeps us together. He's the stability that we need. He's the balance that we need in our lives. He's the true intimacy that we need. When we have intimacy with Christ, we can have true intimacy with others. Outside of that, you, all you have is sex. It's just an act. You invite Christ into your relationship. You invite Christ into your marriage. You're going to have true intimacy because it's not about you. It's about them. It's about him. It's about honoring the almighty. It's about him working in our hearts. And it's quiet in here this morning. The third way to uncomplicate your relationship is to go all out in honoring others. There's two, there's two great things that we need in a relationship. There's two, these two big words, big words, big words. The first word starts with a T and ends with a T. <clears throat> you, need it, you need it in a relationship. What word could that be? It starts with a T, trust. Without trust, you have nothing. I lived a life before Christ where my wife, if I went to go get something with my friends, if I went out to go get something at the store, she did not trust me to come back until Jesus took me out of Egypt. You know what I mean? Until Jesus took me out of Egypt. The second thing that we need is commitment. Is commitment. Remember I talked about sometimes with our wives or with our husbands, we say, you know what? When she, when she says something I don't want to hear, you know, I don't need this. There's about 15 other women that would probably be real happy with me ah, for about maybe, maybe five minutes, right? You know what we need in our, in our life? We need commitment. We need to commit to each other. God is committed to us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. The Bible says this, and see, when we look at things through the biblical lens, it changes the way we view everything else. It says, give honor, <clears throat> give honor to marriage. So everyone say marriage is honorable. Marriage is, marriage is honorable. We have, uh, um, I don't know if you know this, but in the, in, right in the back, there's, there's an elder. His name is Coach Mike Sloan, or we just call him Mike Sloan. Him and Kelly have been married for 40 years. Yesterday, they celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary. Today. Today. <laughs> and look where they're celebrating in church. 40 years of marriage. Now, I know, because I know Mike, that Kelly has put up with a lot. <clears throat> but what has kept them together is an anchor of commitment and that Christ has been committed to them. Now, this goes for all of us. So you're here today. You're here today and you're thinking, you know what? My, my, my marriage is, 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 I'm going through tough times. 
I'm telling you right now that let God be your anchor and you'll make it through. Even if you have a year of tough times, you're going to make it through. Even if you have two years of, of, of a tough time, you're going to make it through. You hold on, you hold on, you hold on. He doesn't stop there. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another. What happened with faithfulness? What, what do you build with faithfulness? What do you build? Trust. So you have commitment and then you have trust. If you don't have that, you will have a complicated relationship every time. Every time. And then he goes on. God will surely judge people who are immoral. And he's talking about fornication. Those are people that are, not, that are not married and having sexual intimacy. He's not saying that because he's saying, oh, it's bad, it's bad. You, God knows that sex is good. He made it. That's why everyone wants to have it when they turn 16. <laughs> Someone looking, no, it's 14, Pastor. No, it's, so the reality here is that it, he, he ordained it but he ordained it under the umbrella of marriage. So he says fornicators, he says immoral will be, will be judged. And, and then he says, and those who commit adultery, why? Why would, why would that be a violation? Why would God frown on it? Because you break the trust that God wants you to have. Marriage is a place where we can build honor and commitment. And God always intended healthy marriage to be the building block of society. I don't care what popular culture tells us. One of these days I will probably be put in prison for preaching what I'm preaching today. Doesn't matter what popular opinion says. Marriage is the building block of our society and healthy marriages. Marriages will produce healthy schools. And healthy schools will, will, will build healthy respect and healthy government. It all starts with God and it's built in our home because your, your school is not gonna change your child's life, your home is. A Sunday school class is not going to change your child's life, your home will. We need to quit blaming everybody else and let God build us here. Here. Peter wrote this, Peter, and Peter was a very unstable guy before Christ came into his life. Peter said, husbands, you need to treat your wives with consideration as a delicate vessel and with honor. And with honor. Someone tell someone, and with honor. With honor. As fellow heirs of the gracious gift of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. He's saying, God has given you a great gift in your relationship with him. Now offer that and be very, very honorable to your wife Treat her with love and with respect. And can I tell you, if we do that, we will minimize marriage counseling. Now, you may be here today and you need counseling. You need premarital counseling. You need marriage counseling. We're, we're open to that. We're going to put some God-centered 
uh, counsel into your life. So don't be, don't embrace that if that's what God has. But the one thing that I want you to leave with is honor each other in marriage. Honor each other. Here's your action steps. Three of them. Take steps. You can start today to ensure your relationship will model God's blueprint for a healthy, uncomplicated relationship. How do we do that? Look at, look at this lens. Everyone, everyone you, have a, you have an outline. Go to that Bible verse. For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother. You leave your parents. You start trusting in God. Parents, let your, let your adult children begin to let their marriage be strengthened and let them trust in God. We as parents got to stop intruding sometimes. For this cause, a man will leave his father and mother and will cleave to his wife. They build their home and they become one. And you uncomplicate your relationship. Number two, ask the first important question in your, in your relationship. Am I honoring God in my relationship? Am I honoring God? And if not, take the necessary steps to honor him. So if you're doing things, if you're violating his His, his beautiful guidelines, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're not married and, 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 and you're in a sexual relationship, just what you do, you take a step. You say, you know what, we're going to stop doing that because I'm not honoring God, right? If you're living together and, and, uh, and you want to honor God and you want to uncomplicate your relationship, what do you do? It's real easy. What do we do? If we're living together, what do we do? We get married or we say, you know what, let's not live together. Let's get, let's get, some, let's get ourselves stable. If you're fighting and all these things are going on, can I tell you, you're just complicating your relationship. The second important question in your relationship, am I honoring myself and am I honoring the other person in my relationship? And if I'm not, take steps to bring honor and respect. Why, why don't we do? Why don't we have an assignment today? Why don't we have an assignment? Is that good? Why don't you? Why don't you have a talk with your, with whoever you're in a relationship with? Have an honest talk. And look at them straight in the eye and say, "Am I honoring you? I'm okay. T- you know, tell me whatever. What? Am I honoring you? And you look through the biblical lens. And if you're not, and if you're not honoring, take steps to begin to honor them. And can I tell you what will happen to all the quiet people that I'm talking to today? (laughs) Can I tell you what will happen? You will begin to uncomplicate your relationship. Amen? You will begin to uncomplicate your relationship. If you do not take a step, your relationship will stay complicated and more complicated and more complicated. If you're doing things in, in, in all these sexual intimacy and all these, all these temptations that we have, when God came into my life, he began to clean house, and I'm glad he did. I'm glad he did. I had opened up so many doors. So that's when I'm talking to you. Hey, I've been there. You open up one door, oh, it feels good for a season. You open up another door because that didn't fulfill you. You open up another door, you open up another door, you open up another door. Before you know it, you've done things and you're like, what in the world? You are hooked. 
to all kinds of things. You're not free. You're not free in pornography. You're not free in, 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 uh, in, in, in uh, uh, continuous promiscuous sex. You're not free. You're bound to it. You're free when you can say, I'm going to honor that person. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to wait until we get married. And then when we do, we're going to honor each other. And we're going to honor God. And we're going to uncomplicate our lives. Let's pray. Maybe you're here this morning as we bow our heads. You're here and God has been speaking to you. He's calling you. He's calling you out of your Egypt. He's calling you into a relationship with him. He's inviting you. And he wants to embrace your hand. And he wants to cleanse you. He wants to love you. Reach out your hand to him today. Don't leave here. Don't leave here without saying, God, I want you and I need you. Pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I'm lost without you. I don't even feel worthy. I don't even feel worthy. But I know that you are worthy, God. So I open up my life.